Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Robin McCutcheon joins us again from Marshall University, economics professor. We talk about a number of things here. Uh, we get into the finances and the financial landscape of what's going on right now, digital currencies. We talk about what's going on at Marshall University, and I have to tell you, these universities know what's going on. They're making all these adjustments, and they know that they don't have students and staff there anymore. And she dives perfectly into exactly what's going on at Marshall University, and it's remarkably telling. Talk about Operation Warp Speed also, and of course what that really means, and a number of other issues as well. So give this a listen, ladies and gentlemen, and I will catch you on Wednesday. It's exciting. I haven't I haven't been this excited about market machinations since two thousand and seven. <laughs> I'll tell you what. We can we can start there if you want. You know, I, I saw this other perspective, and it was just kind of a comment. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And then I thought maybe Robin can can break this down a little bit. But and you probably saw the same post. But one of the moderators on Great Awakening Dot said that the collapse of these smaller banks or what are seemingly smaller banks, has to do ultimately with nationalizing our own banks here in our own country. Any take, right. on, any take on that? I mean, what specifically do they mean by that? Well, basically, I think what the deep state plan is, is to collapse the small and regional banks and have the six big banks, so J.P. Morgan, oh, shucks. My brain just faded. J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, City, City National, who are the other ones? Bank I can't of recall, but to have the have the yeah Bank of America have yeah. the six biggest banks in the country buy out these smaller banks as they collapse, and with six big banks, only six banks in the country, it would be so much easier for the Federal Reserve to impose their central bank digital currency on us, right? Because if there's only six banks, they don't have to deal with 4,200, which is approximately the number of small and regional and large banks that we have left in the United States. So it makes sense to me from the deep state perspective to try and um, get rid of as many banks as possible and then that way herd the entire U.S. population's banking accounts into the six biggest banks, and then that way, the Federal Reserve has, through these six big banks, will have total control of the money supply. Now, I don't think this is going to work, um, because I don't think that people are going to buy into the Fed now with coin, which is what the Federal Reserve is calling their central bank digital currency. I don't think it's going to work. People are not going to buy into it. And countries around the world that are going with the BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China system, are not going to accept the FedNow cryptocurrency in exchange for goods and services because there's nothing behind it. There's, it's even worse. <laughs> it's even worse than a paper currency with nothing behind it. Now right. it's an electronic currency that doesn't actually even exist except in the cloud somewhere. So I don't think this is going to work, but I think the deep state is frantically, desperately trying to 
keep a hold of any or all of the strings of power that they think they own or that they think they control. Did, did that make any sense? Sure. Do you think okay. that do you think that we're going to have to see this digital currency rollout? And just like the video that you sent, which again, anybody listening, it was a clip that was played on Clayton Morris's show, Redacted, and I, I believe that's his wife too. With a minute, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I and I remember that I remember that uh, that discussion of those bankers sort of getting together and deciding again that they're going to have to pull the switch or flip the switch on a Friday and mm-hmm. uh, and shut the banks down and keep people from accessing cash. Um, mm-hmm. Again, given the fact that they said that back in November 2022, in fact, I think one of the guys in that meeting was on Trump's, in, in, uh, in Trump's cabinet, and I want to say his last name was Cohen. I could have that wrong, but I recognized his face. Either way, uh, as far as the digital currency is concerned, do you think it's actually going to get to that stage in our country, or is something going to be stopped before that? I mean, will it be stopped before that even occurs? So this is going to sound perverse, but I think, yes, it has to get to the point where the monster is right up in our face, right? I think that it, in order for the American people to realize the danger they are in, that the communism is right in their living room, that the totalitarian dictator is right there ready to kill them all, I think, yes, it has to get to the point where the FedNow coin is rolled out. And they originally had this planned for a rollout of July the 1st, and I think they pushed it up to sometime in June. So this tells you how desperate they are. But but in order for people to wake up and realize what could be coming if they don't pay attention, I think, yes, it has to get that bad. Yeah. Now, now, there are a lot of us who are already awake and we're screaming from the rooftops, but there's not enough of us awake yet. More, I mean, I mean, honestly, it's, it has to get so bad so that even the most sound asleep normie gets roused out of his deep slumber and says, looks around and says, what the hell is going on here? How did it get this bad? Right. Well, let me tell you, you know, while you were asleep and, you know, not paying any attention, all of this crap has gone on. So the perverse part of me, the one, the part of me that is sort of the diabolical evil planner says, yes, it has to get that bad before people wake up and say, oh, no, we're going to put a stop to this. Now, at the same time that the Fed and the deep staters are desperately trying to hold on to power in the background, flying at low levels just above the treetops, there are already machinations going on around the country to um, to not go with a central bank digital currency. Like, for example, Texas just passed a law where they have... Um, they are going to institute on September 1st this year their own gold back digital token. So I think I sent you an email a couple days ago about the difference between a gold backed, a, a cryptocurrency versus a gold backed token. Right. And um, 
for, for, for your listeners, cryptocurrencies don't have any assets to back up their value. Whereas a gold-backed digital token will have a piece of gold, say an ounce, somewhere in the physical being held by a sovereign bullion bank that actually puts value to the digital token. Did that make sense? Yeah. And I think I think that was an article I sent you regarding Texas, that they were trying to move right. toward a, a gold-backed digital currency. And I thought, well, that's interesting, but it's still a digital currency. So they can still control it. They can still turn it on, turn it off, keep people from accessing it, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I don't know. It still seemed nefarious well, to me. Yeah, I'm. You know, again, I am. I am not a big proponent of anything that I can't hold in my hand physically. So even a gold-backed digital token um, would not be my preferred form of money. Um, but I think that it's interesting that Texas is going to do this this September, and Tennessee also passed a law, and the governor signed it in November or December to set up a sovereign bullion bank in Tennessee where they will hold gold and silver for anyone that wants to store their gold and silver there so that they also can have their own sovereign state currency, literally a a money, true money. And there, there are 23 states that have um, either are passing or have passed laws in their state houses to make gold and silver legal tender. And there are 42 states, as of the beginning of April, that have removed all or some of the taxes on purchases of gold and silver. So this kind of stuff is going on in the background, sort of under the radar, the mainstream media isn't going to report on this. Although Fox News and Bloom- Bloomberg today have reported that Zimbabwe is creating their own gold-backed digital token. And Zimbabwe has also begun minting true one-ounce gold coins so that they can shore up their own monetary system. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so, you know, this is, this is all good news. But I think that in order for the majority of the asleep Americans to wake up, yeah, that Fed now currency has to, the Fed now cryptocurrency has to be shoved right up in their face. Kind of like, you know, when your dog poops on your carpet, you shove his nose in the poop and then maybe he won't do it again. Yep. That's what's going to, the poop has to get shoved into people's faces. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I know. Yep. I know that, that sounds bad, but... No, it's true. Yeah. And so, you know, in the same time, I, I haven't been able to run this one down, but I heard a rumor that Texas has applied to the BRICS um, exchange as... I Again, I haven't been able to run this rumor down, but I heard they're actually going to secede from the United States and become the Republic of Texas again. So, again, it's just rumor. I haven't been able to actually nail that one down, but um, wouldn't surprise me. That's interesting. Individual states aligning with countries on yeah. trade well, remember, and money. Yeah. 
remember, we, our country, the United States of America, is not one country. We are 50 nation states yep. that have decided to um, make a federation, which is what the United States of America is. We have a federation of 50 individual nation states. And over the course of time, um, our states gave more and more of their power away to the federal government, but they're reclaiming that power. And part of reclaiming that power is having their own state currency of money, gold or silver. So this, this is a good thing. People are going to be learning a lot more about what the Constitution actually says um, rather than believing what the mainstream media tells them the Constitution should say. Sure hope it gets to that yep. point, but yeah. We're getting there. It's it's a slow process and it has to it really does have to be slow because I mean, look how look how long you've been awake and aware. There are people still who don't know even a tenth of what you know. You know, so it's it's gotta be slow. I mean, otherwise, I think we would have civil war in our streets, and I, I'm pretty sure we don't want that. Yeah, that would get messy, and uh, it's pretty evident, I think, that as I've covered on my show and, and discussed that, of course, a lot of the riots and things that have taken place in the past were all coordinated and all done on purpose, but if there was an actual, you don't understand, uh, and I understand civil kind of war, that would that would be very, right. very messy, yeah. Right. Well, also keep in mind that um, representatives, House Representatives Alex Mooney from West Virginia and Andy Biggs and Paul Gozar, both from Arizona, have introduced H.R. 2435, which is the Gold Standard Restoration Act. And after it passes, because I'm pretty sure it will, it will give the U.S. Treasury and the Federal Reserve 24 months to publicly disclose all gold holdings and gold transactions, after which time the Federal Reserve note, which we commonly call the dollar, would be formally pegged to a fixed weight of gold at whatever the market price for gold is at that time. So there, there are movements um, behind the scenes, if you will, because like I said, the mainstream media is not talking about what's going on in our country. And they flippantly talk about what's going on in other countries that now have gold-backed currencies like Russia. And, um, and, and they, there's, they don't want the people who are the puppeteers don't want the mass of people in America to realize what's going on. They, they don't want people to realize that gold and silver is true money. And, um, they, they don't want people to have this knowledge. Otherwise, you, you really would have an uprising. I mean, if people actually would go and listen to that, that, um, that clip from Clayton Morris that he played of the, the secret meeting of the FDIC wherein they say, hey, look, we're going to, but we, we really don't want people to know this. Because they would go take their money out of the banks and the system would collapse faster than we need it to. You know, we really only want the billionaires to get their money out and be safe. 
we don't want people to know that most of the banks have a bail-in clause where the bank can take your deposit in order to bail itself out. And that was part of the Dodd-Frank Act. So, you know, the, the longer that the powers that be can keep the American people in the dark and hoodwinked, the better off for the deep state. And part of our job as, as truth-tellers is to get the information out, spread it as far and wide as we can to as many people as we can. Because it's only when it's only when people see the truth of what's going on that they will that they will reject the plans of the deep state. And and most of the plans of the deep state are already foiled anyway. The deep state is already lost. You know, they they went around trying to kill ninety five percent of humanity on Earth and they failed miserably. And now the CDC has declared that the pandemic is over. Yeah, interesting timing, too. Yeah, interesting timing, you say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Almost like uh, it was coordinated or something. (laughs) Almost like it was planned. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. So I think that... um, I think that the things that we're seeing going on now, here's another one. Here's here's a funny one. About two weeks ago, um, the resident came out and, sa- and stated that they were going to change lending laws so that if you have a FICO score of 620, you will get a seven, uh, sorry, a one and three quarters discount on your mortgage rate. But if you have a score of 740 or above, you'll be paying a 1% extra fee because you have good credit. That's an example of in your face, shoving the poop in your face so that you'll wake up and say, wait a minute, you mean if I've done a really good job managing my money and I have a really good credit score, then I have to pay for that doofus down the street that doesn't know when to stop borrowing? Yeah, I'm the, sorry, it just made me laugh. Yes, yeah, the social credit score right there. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Yep. And again, you know, you think about all the threats of a cyber attack too, and you throw that little wrench into the whole thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the switch gets pulled, people can't access cash, the banks say, hey, we're sorry, our computers don't work. Right. And then, uh, you know, if the computers come back on and there's a few dollars missing out of everybody's accounts, well... Who's yeah. gonna, who's going to be wise to that? Yeah, who's the wiser? I mean, who actually goes every day to look at their bank account and see if something is amiss with it? Yeah, they wouldn't miss a buck. They sure wouldn't. So you know, the answer to your question is yes. I think this has to roll out. Um, I I don't know about you, but I've been telling my students for longer longer than three years to, you know, get ready. The shit is about to hit the fan and, you know, be prepared, buy some toilet paper. That's my favorite thing to buy these days. You know, plant a garden, for heaven's sakes. The more independent you can make yourself, the more self-sufficient you can make yourself and your family, the less power and control these deep staters have over you. So, you know, we're, we're, um, we are going to experience something that nobody alive has ever experienced. We're we're watching the end of the deep state in real time. 
And but it doesn't mean that the deep state is going to go quietly into the night. They're going to they're fighting for their lives now. But they're they've already lost. It's it's like that. It's it's like watching two chess masters play out a chess game. And it doesn't take very long for either one of the masters to figure out who's won. Now, the person with ethics, the, the, the guy who's losing, if he has ethics, he'll, he'll lay down his king and he'll say, great game, you won. Congratulations. But that's not what these people are. They're not ethical. They have no moral values. And it wouldn't bother them at all to try and take as many people with them as they go fighting and screaming out the door. And so, you know, it, and and whoever owns the chess game probably bolted it to the floor so the loser can't flip the table and, and you know, wreck everything. No doubt about it. There are signs and there, there are signs everywhere that uh, that excellent mm-hmm. things are happening. Take, for example, I'm sure you saw this, too. Uh, the St. Louis prosecutor has now resigned. Yay! Yeah, I yeah, saw that. I was cheering. Yeah, and one of her one of her coworkers apparently, or another prosecutor in the office, was uh, died maybe yesterday. I think in a very suspicious okay. car accident. That's that's horrible. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. And then today they were, you know, apparently they resigned, but uh, or they resigned late last night, whatever it was. But yeah, going, going after June first. There you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. go, going after these. Soros bought off prosecutors is certainly a start, and it would be interesting to find out whether or not the local judges and the local prosecutors are receiving a little help, if you know what I mean. You know, if they're receiving a yeah. Wouldn't surprise me in the least at this point. Yeah. Getting a little assistance, a little evidence to uh, mm-hmm. sweeten the deal, so to speak, to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. That would be mm-hmm. nice. Well, there's there's so much deep state in so many places. I mean, these people have had thousands of years to infiltrate every single institution that you can think of, probably even your grocery store. Um, so I think that we're going to be seeing, we're going to be seeing cleanup of these deep state operatives for years until we, you know, we finally get them all cleaned out. But in the meantime, you know, we still have to go living through those years. We still have to do the things that are necessary to keep ourselves alive and thriving. And so, you know, preparation is preparation is half the battle. Better to have the thing, you know, better to have the garden and not need it than to need the garden and not have it. True. Yeah, I certainly wish that more people would would take that approach. I mean, we have a culture now where unfortunately we have individuals who are so uh, hypnotized, if you want to use that word, to the point where they actually feel like they don't even need a gun. Yeah. I mean, a very basic that's right. That's a good word. Yeah, that's a good word. Um, there were, there were a couple of shootings, I think, and I read, I think in Serbia yesterday and today, um, quite a few people killed. And then last night, the Serbian president came out and said, we're gonna, we're gonna take away all, all your guns. You know, gun control to keep you safe. Yeah, that doesn't well, work out. It, historically, yeah, that's that's the last step, right? Before the government comes in and just removes, kills everyone they don't need to have or don't want to have standing up against them. And um, so there's absolutely 
um, there's there's no reason for us to give up our guns just to please the deep staters. Yeah. Because we give up our guns and everything is lost. We'll all end up in FEMA camps and dead. I'll, I'll tell you, too, that, that continues to be a, a real interesting sort of hot point w- with me on social media is these individuals, again, that react to these fake school shootings as, mm-hmm. as if they're real. And then they, uh, you know, well, you pose a question to them, asking them to essentially prove it to you, and, th- and they can't. But they don't understand. Their brain blanks out. Well, of course, yeah. But ju- it seems like it's just around those issues. But, you know, th- they trust, well, I should say they distrust so many other things, but then they blindly trust that. So it's, right. you know, they'll make fun of CBS, ABC, NBC, say, well, they lie, they lie, they lie. And then they run a story like that, like Nashville, for example. And then they just default right back to, well, I believe them now. I believe, I, I go back to believing NBC again. Hypnotized is the right word. Yeah. It's tough to break out of that, too. It it takes, I'm, I'm not sure what exactly it takes to break out, break a person out of the hypnosis, but um, having been under that hypnosis myself, I know that it's logic that helped me break out. Actually sitting down and doing math and proving to myself by the numbers how X, Y, and Z couldn't possibly be possible, that it was a lie. Yeah. You know, and, and once you once you can get that ball rolling and break break that little piece of the hypnotic trance, it just helps you more and more as long as you keep using logic and reason to critically think your way through the problem. And um, and and that's the last thing the deep state wants us to do. They don't want us thinking at all. That's, that's why they put the education system together the way they did. It's a giant trap. Which, yep, which you well know, because you've been there. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yep. If, you, if you say anything against the machine, the machine throws you out. Mm-hmm. That's about it. But yep. You know, for me, it's always been just history and real history and listening to older individuals talk about the very things that we're experiencing now. I mean, that was Uh that was a big part of my wake up process, too. You watch William Cooper talk about back in the day, simply saying, look, they're going to fake school shootings and it's only done for one reason. And that's to take your guns. Mm -hmm. It's like, what part of that don't people get? Well, they haven't listened to Bill Cooper. There you go. There you go. You know. There's, but see, this is there's there's a good thing out here, and a lot of people don't realize this. Um, I heard a long time ago, maybe twenty years ago, someone said that this internet was a good thing because it provided a way for people all over the planet to know what was going on all over the planet. And the very last thing that the deep state wanted everybody to, to be able to do was to have information at their fingertips. Now, the deep state wanted that for themselves, but they didn't want that for everybody else. The thing is, the, the Internet is like a door. You know, if Satan can use that door to get at you, then we can use the door to get at him. And that's what people are doing right now. All these truth tellers, all these, all the... Uh, people like you who are having their podcasts spread out all over the place, that's the door that we're using to open up 
and shine the light on what the deep state's been doing for, for generations. And the more we expose them, the more light we shine on them so that people can actually see what's happening, then, then the worse off their position is, the worse off the deep state's position is, because the last thing they want is exposure. They don't want, they don't, they don't want transparency, and they'll do, they'll do anything to keep people asleep. So, so this is a good thing. The Internet has been a blessing, and it's been since, really, the, I think the kickoff was the 2020 election. You know, when Twitter went full bore, canceling everyone, YouTube, the same thing, it forced the, the small cadre of truth-tellers to go find other ways of getting their message out there. And in doing that, they've created a whole brand new economy, a whole brand new um, platforms all over the place for themselves to become the news. Um, so, you know, you are the news, Sean. Yeah. You are the news, not the mainstream media. And they're going to they're gonna take a hit. I mean, look at what's happened to Fox's um, primetime news audience. It's down... What did I read? It's down something like 66%. It's massive. They've yeah. lost two-thirds of their audience, That the, the part of the audience that actually pays the bills. So, I mean, Fox is, is in a worse position now, if you can believe it, than, than MSNBC. It's amazing. Audience-wise. Yeah. yeah. So the mainstream media is going to go down. It's, it's going to be... It's going to be fabulous. I can't wait. We're watching it now, and um, it's glorious. <laughs> no one seems to be at least discussing that maybe they need to change a few things. I mean, of course, the hosts can't bring it up because they'll get fired, but I, I don't know. I, I do know that you watch it occasionally, Fox News, and I've just made a couple of observations because you know I, I don't watch it other than the occasional internet clip that shows up. but. How often has, or since when, has Sean Hannity had a live audience? What? Have you noticed really? this? Yeah. I, I, I don't watch Fox News. I haven't watched Fox okay. News since the end of March 2022 when I finally just threw in the towel and said, I'm not getting a blankety-blank piece of anything from these stupid people, and I, I canceled my cable. Yeah. I canceled it all. So no, I had no idea. Sean Hannity has a live audience. Since when did that? What did he got? All the producers and makeup people sitting in the audience. Probably, that's probably it. And and again, he may be doing it just to justify his particular stances on particular issues because then the crowd will cheer or they'll say something or whatever. And it's like, wait a minute. I mean, it's almost like I I don't know. Like there's an an applause button or a sign that shines in the crowd, and then they all start applauding it. But they're clearly doing it again to try to, oh, I don't know, make themselves look more real or authentic. And yet it has the exact opposite effect. Good. Good. Yeah. Excellent. Well, and the reason they don't care that they're losing money is because they're an extension of the deep state, right? That's that's the propaganda arm of the deep state. There you go. And when, and when Barack Obama signed the modernization of the Smith-Munt Act back in 2013, that, that put the pedal to the metal and, and basically told all the mainstream media outlets, just lie your asses off, propagandize, 
spread the word. I mean, not that they weren't doing it before, but that gave them leave and legality to just lie. Lie, 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 lie. So it's not a surprise to me that the mainstream media doesn't care that they're losing money. Um, I think personally, this is just my own opinion, but I think personally that all these woke companies are just doing all the money laundering that they possibly can. I mean, look at the look at the Bud Light boycott, or or I, what, how did I see it referenced the the Bud Light boycott? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, they're fin- they've, they're they've, finished. They've lost billions. Yep. And Anheuser Busch is going to go down as well. It doesn't. All it, President Trump said it best. Everything woke turns to shit. And and we're seeing this happen in real time. And in the meanwhile, there are going to be people who are good brewers making good, tasty beers that start coming out of the woodwork. And we won't have this crappy beer that that funds the deep state. We'll have good local beers to yeah. drink. There you go. Cool. So it's a good thing. Let me give you another local example. I I was listening to Cliff High, and he put out an audio called True Fat, T-R-U-E-F-A-T, where he talks about the trans fats that um, are in the seed oils, canola oil, um, I'm not familiar with a lot of the, like, vegetable oil. And I don't know if you are, if you remember, but back in the 90s, uh, McDonald's changed over the oil that they used to make French fries. They, they used to use lard, which made the most delicious French fries you've ever tasted. And then in the 90s, instead of using lard, they started using vegetable oil, and it changed the taste of their French fries. Well, in this audio podcast that Cliff High did, he, he walked through how these seed oils, um, when you consume them, your body can't get rid of them. So I went directly to my bag of chips that I had on the table, and sure enough, it had vegetable oil in it. So I sort of sent up a plea to God, and I said, please show me where I can buy a bag of chips that is not made with vegetable oil. And I went down to my local food fair like a week later, and I'm, you know, rifling through the potato chip section, and I found two, um, two brands of potato chips that are made not with seed oil, not with vegetable oil, but with lard. Wow. I know. And I have never seen these brands in my local store. Uh, and so my, hus- my husband looked at me and he said, maybe what we're, this is sort of the evidence that we're seeing our local stores starting to clean up their own act. That's interesting. What are the brands? Yeah. It's uh, one of the, the brands is the Utz brand, UTZ, made in Pennsylvania. And I'm sorry, but I don't remember the other brand because I, I chomped through those chips pretty fast. They were, they were delicious. They were made <laughs> with avocado oil, which is not a seed oil. So it's, you know, it's a kind of oil that your body can actually get rid of um, out of the cells, out of its cells. So I was I was ecstatic. I wanted to go buy a case of these things. That's excellent. Of course, there's a danger in eating too many chips too. But you know, 
I was very happy to be able to find a product that I could that I could eat that's not going to be very detrimental to my health. So I think it's coming. The the economy that we're going to be developing, that we are developing, that we're moving into, that we're moving away from the deep state bad things to eat and towards good things to eat, it's coming. We're, we're seeing it right now. At least I am. And it's the season for it. It's the season uh-huh. for growing. It's the season for even preparing for the fall as well and what to what to harvest later on. So there you go. Mm-hmm. So what's up at Marshall? So, oh, Marshall. Well, we were promised, we, we got a little email back in towards the end of March that basically said we're coming up on commencement and as part of our commencement booklet, we're going to have a section, um, an in-memoriam section for all the faculty and professors that have passed away since 2021. <laughs> and I thought, oh, good. Oh, good. I can see actually how many people have died. I know that sounds bloodthirsty. But I just wanted to confirm to myself um, how bad these jabs were across our campus. So we get to commencement, I snag one of these booklets, and there's no in-memoriam section. Really? Yes, really. Now, now was it just going to be for professors or students, too? They said the Marshall community, so, you know, professors, staff, administrators, students. (laughs) Wow. Was the list just too big, and they went, holy shit, we can't do this. We don't have enough pages. Well... Or, oh my God, are we opening ourselves up to, to liability? Boom, yeah. There you go. Wow, so, that's yeah. incredible. So, yep, so no section for me to paw through and, and look. And I already know that there were, like I said, there were at least six people that I knew who passed away of stage four cancer this, stage four cancer that. Um, since the the jabs rolled out in January of 2021, and interestingly, um, every single every single um, dean at all of our colleges has now left, either retired, uh, went out on medical, um, something. They're gone. They're all gone. We have become the University of Interim Deans. Wow. That's yep. huge. Yep. And, um, I, and, and I can tell you, having sat through many, many Zoom meetings in 2021, that when the jabs rolled out, I would go early to these meetings and just sit in the meeting and listen to the seven or eight deans that are on our campus complain about how ill they were after they got jabbed. And then they all went back and got a second one. And then they all went back and got boosters. Yep. I'd, be out, I'd be out of a job, too. <laughs> None of us would be working after three. <laughs> That's right. So, not really a big surprise. Um, I think I said in our last interview that I had noticed uh, a difference in the students those I know who were jabbed, um, this semester was worse than the fall semester. I, I had one student who 
who I know is jabbed just disappear entirely. Wouldn't answer email. Just fell off the face of the planet. Um, I've had had face-to-face students who were constantly, continually sick, and they didn't know what was, you know, doctors don't know what's wrong with me. And I'd look at them and go, I know what's wrong with you, yeah. <laughs> although not, not out loud. And one poor student admitted to me that, um, that both their parents worked as ICU nurses locally. And so they're all jabbed up to their eyeballs. Sure. And, you know, that was another student who would say to me, I don't know why I'm sick. Well, so I, I of course, worked into my lecture what was going on in the, in the pharmacy industry. And the look on this poor student's face was just priceless. It was as if I had slapped her several times physically, which I didn't, not physically. But with information, um, yeah, it, it, the students, I, I don't know if they believed me or not, but, you know, you, you show them enough evidence, and at some point, at some point they have to say, okay, either my teacher is lying through her teeth or there's something to this. And that's generally the point that most of my students get to about seven or eight or ten weeks into class. Um, especially the upper level students when we, when we talk about, um, the money system, the federal reserve system. And then I showed them that clip from Clayton Morris talking about the FDIC meeting that happened back in November. And that was when the students kind of went, oh my God, she hasn't been pulling our legs. She's been telling us the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's only when you know. It's only when you know what the danger is that you can you can actually arm yourself against it. Um, one of my students graduated this year, and it was inducted into the army as a second lieutenant. So I got to meet his parents, and um, the mom said to me, "We've heard all about you." <laughs> and, yeah, and I I thought. Do I need to run? Or and I think I said something like, "Is is this a good thing or a bad thing?" She goes, "No, we love you. We're so glad that our son had your classes and got to talk with you, and and was able to make some really intelligent decisions based on what you said." And I just went, "Wow, okay, I'll take it." So Fantastic. yeah, the students, yeah, the students um, apparently. It, at least some of the ones that I have um, make no bones about going home and telling their parents everything that happens in class. That's awesome. Well, that's that's the mark of an excellent teacher when they're when they're communicating the message to numerous other people, including their family members. That's usually a good mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. That's that's usually a good thing, and I'll take it. It's a good pat on the back. Let me ask you this too, because again, you you, you mentioned. Clayton Morris' show redacted there, and that you shared that with your students. Do your stu- when you share these references with them, do they ever look at you and say, "Hey, you know, what's the name of that show?" Or, you know, mm-hmm. where can I find that show? Yep, yep. And I always post the links in Blackboard, so they're permanent. So when I go from semester to semester, there they are. I can just go back to them. Perfect. And I can 
I can, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know why I haven't gotten an email from IT to ask me why my Blackboard classes are stuffed to the gills, but apparently they have lots and lots of terabytes of memory. So I just keep rolling the semester. All the information from last semester will be there next semester. And it's, uh, it's become a library of sorts, you know, and sort of a historical reference point because I've got things in there like the summary that Pfizer finally put out a year after the jabs rolled out that they were supposed to put out in March of 2021. It took them until March of 2022, to, and they were forced by the courts to expose all of the side effects of their, their two combo jabs that they'd rolled out in 2021, and I made sure to pull this document up in PDF form and show the students the last nine pages that had 1,291 side effects. Yep. Yep, yep. and, I, and I, I made sure I said, so if something's wrong with you and you've had the jab, look, look through the list. It's alphabetically organized. Incredible. I'll tell you what, you're, you're not going to believe this. Well, you will because I'm not a liar. This just happened as you were just saying that, that uh, this is on Disclosed TV. It just popped up on Telegram. Uh, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky is stepping down. <laughs> Good. I hope they take her to Gitmo. 5-5 five, five again. I'm telling you. This is a huge, yeah, this is a huge boom. Let me read this to you. It says statement from president, statement from president Biden on Dr. Rochelle Walensky. This is too good. This is just (laughs) too funny. I love it. Dr. Walensky has saved lives with her steadfast and unwavering focus on the health of every American. As director of the CDC, she has led a complex organization on the front lines of a once-in-a-generation pandemic with honesty and integrity. It says she marshaled our finest scientists and public health experts to turn the tide on the urgent crises we've faced. It says Dr. Walensky leaves CDC a stronger institution better positioned to confront health threats and protect Americans. We have all benefited from her service and dedication to public health, and I wish her the best in her next chapter. She's going to go to the spa. She's going to be at Gitmo. She'll be lucky if she's not videotaped confessing to having been part of the deep state organization. Now... Well, my only question is, did Jim Cramer from CNBC say something positive about the CDC, like it's going to be here forever? Because then I could go and and say, nope, it's gone. Yeah, I'm sure he has. <laughs> that, well, that's very good news. Thank you for passing that along. Yeah, it just keeps it keeps coming down here. Of course, the WHO today also no longer uh, COVID is no longer a global health emergency. There you go. Well, they, see, they couldn't make it work. Too many people were wise to them already. It's amazing. Who knows? She may end up being the dean at Marshall, one of the deans there. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. A- apparently there's a need at Marshall. Yes, well, we don't need any more deep staters here. We've got plenty, thank you very much. You know, I'm already fighting demons left and right. <laughs> I'll tell you what, as far as Miami University is concerned, uh, I know that the last time we talked, I brought up how they were engaging in this giant ad campaign 
because they were, of course, losing copious amounts of people, and no one is on campus. Again, you know, the eyeball the eyeball test doesn't lie. But for the very first time, and it's been going on now for at least a couple of months, but anytime you turn on YouTube, at least around here locally, it's all Miami University ads popping up. Wow. And they're they're only promoting their graduate school. They're not saying come here for a bachelor's degree or a PhD. It, it's it's simply just their graduate school, and then it says something like in person, online, or hybrid. Huh. And that's it. Well, I I've had kept an eye on our on campus foot traffic because um, of what you had told me the last time. That you, you know, the campus was empty and I kept going, campus is empty. Well, I had lunch the other day with a very senior professor, very well placed, and she told me that, and this is just between you and me, she told me, so it means that you can let your audience know as well, she told me that the university if a, if a student is taking face-to-face classes, they count that student as one head. Then if a student takes online classes, they count the student again. And then if they take hybrid classes, they count the student a third time. Or if they are going off for a certificate anywhere, including if they've already done the online and face-to-face, then they count the student again. You know what that means, Sean? Yes. Our numbers are inflated. Yes. Which explained to me in a split second why I keep looking down campus and seeing hardly any students there. It's because they're not there. How can they get away with that? Some of that fancy financial accounting, only with headcounts. Absolutely nuts. It's fraud. Yes, it is. It is fraud. That's incredible. completely... And and that explains to me, so here's another little tidbit, and this I know for sure because I was told this personally to my face. So we're, we are building a new College of Business building, and they, they built this building with nine classrooms. Now, to give your audience sort of a overview, our college has approximately 1,200 business majors. But in addition to our 1,200 business majors, we teach other students from across campus approximately 6,000 other students across campus. So roughly 7,200 students from around campus take College of Business courses. And we have, um, I'm trying to think of how many classrooms we have, but I think we have more than a, I think we have a dozen and a half classrooms that we, the College of Business, use on a daily, hourly basis. We're building this new building, and it has nine classrooms in it. Nine. That's it? That's it. And and you're going to love this piece. On each, on each floor, there's only two bathrooms with one stall apiece. Now, I looked at the floor plans. We've got nine classrooms, and there's four floors, so there's eight bathrooms. So there's eight stalls of bathrooms in the entire new building. And and I know for a fact I told the building committee I think we need to have more stalls. And when I mentioned this to the chair of our department, he looked at me and he said, well, 
All of our instructors and professors teach at least one online class, which means we're only teaching two face-to-face -face classes. And he said, I think the business model we're moving to is all online classes. So we won't need those nine classrooms. Boom. There you go. Unbelievable. <laughs> and I, I was so excited. I was thrilled to hear this because I thought, great, I can teach from home again. I can get on my stationary bike in between classes and really take some of this weight off. <laughs> wow. Just yep. openly admitting it like that, too. Yes. And um, I looked at him and I, I, at first I was astounded. I said, what? All online classes? And he said, well, yeah, it's kind of cheaper that way. Oh, I get it. There you go. Okay. Yeah, the university system is crumbling right in front of our very faces. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't be happier. <laughs> I think, I think the, uh, the corrupt college communist system of education is going down. It's just, God, it's overwhelming. It's just so overwhelming. Again, my, my brain's bouncing around here, and I've brought up <laughs> numerous scenarios as to you know what they would do with these buildings then. But you're saying they're just flat out building a new one, but they're, but it, I mean, it clearly can't be a, a large building. It's huge. Really? It's absolutely huge. They have a, they have a new auditorium, 650 seats in this auditorium in the new building. And and apparently the auditorium is going to be built on levels, so it's stadium seating, but it's going to be built such that you can divide this auditorium into seven or eight or nine separate classrooms. So they're going to have dividers there, so that so that you you'll have stadium seating in a smaller classroom type setting within the auditorium. So maybe that's where they're making up the other you know, nearly a dozen classrooms that we're, we're missing by moving out of this old building that we're in. I, I don't know, but the building is huge. Wow. How many classrooms mm -hmm. does your current building have? Um, Ballpark it. I, well, I think we have, we have four floors, and I think on each floor there's at least six classrooms. So what's that, 24 classrooms? Plus we had one, two, three. Three large lecture halls and a, a smaller conference hall. So we've got plenty of seat room for students. But apparently, we're not going to need it if we're going to go to an all-online setup. They know, Robin. They know. Yeah, they know. Yep. They're in on They're fudging it. the numbers. They're fudging the numbers on headcounts so that um, people in administration can keep their jobs. Um, they've also, at this, and this will get you, um, they've also opened up what they call Metro Residency for Marshall. And that what they did was they basically took a string 100 miles in diameter, drew a circle around Marshall going into Ohio and Kentucky, and said all of these counties, and there's something like 23 counties in Ohio and probably 30 counties in Kentucky that are going to get 
metro rates for tuition, which means, you know, it's almost like in-state tuition for all of these Ohio and Kentucky people that they're going to try and lure into Marshall. And I think Ohio's only got 44 counties, so half of Ohio, roughly. So when I, when I was hired into Marshall, they were going full bore towards trying to get international students to come. Students from all over the world because Marshall needed to have diversity. So I guess they were just thinking skin color. And, and then COVID hit and destroyed our international student system. We, don't, we have hardly any international students now. And so as a backup plan, they're going to import students from Ohio and Kentucky to, to fill up the numbers or fill up the seats or try. Yeah, they're definitely going to try. I, I, don't think, uh, I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to work either. But, you know, hey, what do I know? I'm just a professor of economics. <laughs> yeah. I'm just a doctor. <laughs> yeah. You know. Incredible. So things, things at Marshall are definitely interesting. It's never a, never a boring time there. Um, we, had, I, we had at least one whole page, almost a whole page of retirees, uh, professors who are retiring from the university and um and I I keep thinking you know I wonder if these people have gone to look at their their um retirement accounts and Tia and Kraft and and just went oh my god I can't quit because I've run into several of those kind of professors one lady's got almost 40 years at Marshall and she can't quit because she doesn't have enough money in her Tia and Kraft account and of course the money's not coming in Right. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, and, and all of us are on fixed income. We don't, we don't get a year to year annual raise. <laughs> right. We, we got a notification the other day from the president of the university saying, hey, we, we somehow got our, got our hands on, it was several million dollars. It was something like almost $30 million. And we're going to give everyone a $1,350 pay raise. And and he was lauding the fact that the staff, the people, every person would get a flat $1,350. And he was lauding the fact that the staff, like the secretaries and so forth, will be getting a higher percentage of pay than the professors. And I was thinking, wow. What a great way of pissing off the professors. Sure. Yeah. Equity. Exactly. <laughs> Equity Everybody strikes gets, again. It's a, it's a communist system. All for one and one for all, and everybody gets the same amount of the raise. And it's absolutely nuts. It's a, it's a crap system. I'm glad to see it go. Did they get rid of their COVID policy? Um, yeah, that sort of disappeared. The COVID dashboard disappeared sometime in the fall. It's not there anymore. It's completely taken down. Um, Sometime in the late fall, even the COVID clinics shut down. I was happy to see them go. Nobody's talking about getting boosters. Not anymore. 
Yep, they've wiped out everybody. Yep, all the COVID money has been used up. Unbelievable. So, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you read that? Uh, read that Twitter post that you sent me sure. this morning, because okay. it, it so, is it is incredible and it hits the nail on the head. And I've I've mentioned this subject before on this show numerous times. Again, that it's uh, you know it's undeniable that there are numerous things happening in front of our faces, and if people just thought a little bit about what's going yeah. on, there's uh, right. there's some fantastic things taking place. Okay, so I got this um, this missive from K A G Drogo K A G D R O G O on Twitter, and this is what it says: It shouldn't be very difficult at this point to consider the hashtag five GW, so fifth generation warfare strategy of Trump's approach to the vaccine rollout. Rushing it out is exactly what stopped the Great Reset's full implementation. Speaking out on the VAX injuries would give them the perfect justification to manipulate the flu-slash-COVID cases again and try for a bigger and longer lockdown. Trump speaking out against the VAX would be the dumbest strategy at this stage, and the instant gratification would be insignificant compared to the fatal countermove it would give to the cabal. It would completely compromise the fifth generation warfare strategy with warp speed, which is exactly what stopped their depopulation FEMA camp and endgame agenda. Some people don't even understand the bullet we dodge thanks to real Donald Trump. He is a hero. The fact that we can sit here and talk about this today while not in a FEMA camp, is a testament to the success of Trump's strategy. Most of the doomers I know only just recently found out about the new world order, so they aren't able to see as easily how Trump is already stopping the Great Reset. Those of us that have known about the new world order for over a decade feel a great sense of relief at the way things have played out. If it wasn't for Trump, we'd already be in the camps. Their scamdemic narrative is completely obliterated, and that was their big plan for the world government. People are awake, and they will never be able to do this again. Look around you. Their scandemic plan has been crushed. Emergency officially ended. They are running multiple backup plans at once and are increasingly desperate. Trump stopped the New World Order with warp speed. That's right. Right now, they, meaning the deep state, are thrashing around in their dying breaths of panic. Many people have no idea how bad the scandemic was supposed to be. The defiant ones were supposed to already be depopulated. Their great reset into eating bugs, sleeping in pods in the 15-minute city, tracked with barcode tattoos, social credit scores, and CBDC was meant for the sheep who survived after the defiant ones had been disappeared. By Trump releasing the vax quickly, it ended tyrannical governor's excuse for lockdowns and removed their cover for the Great Reset with a destroyed economy. We already know. We know, all, we know he already ended their wars and removed the camouflage that would have given them 
It also forced them to release a vax under emergency use authorization that cannot be forcibly mandated, try as they did. That's why they had to use incentives. It forced them to rush their agenda, which makes it way more visible than their usual slow, incremental boiling water tactics, making so many mistakes and exposing themselves in the process. We all know every single time the VAX is mentioned, President Trump emphasizes freedom of choice. He said, no one should be forced, and we have our freedoms. He says this repeatedly, every time without exception, every single time. He's always been outspoken against mandates. Most people don't even realize how huge that was. Every president before him was lockstep with the Uniparty pushing the New World Order and all pushed mandates. He's already said no kids should take it. We all know that the face diaper parents would have injected their kids with RNA, GMOs, no matter what Trump said. If President Trump were to speak up about the injuries, they, the deep state, would seize on that opportunity with the counter move of locking us down again and blaming the injuries on Trump rushing the vax. Just look what they did when he mentioned HCQ. We'd hear an all-out media tirade about how injuries are Trump's fault because he rushed it, and if it wasn't for him, they'd be safe and effective. Not to mention, they'd leverage the Trump derangement syndrome they've created and associate any criticism of injection agenda as just a Trump supporter thing. By removing himself from the equation, they didn't have that card to play, even though they still try. It's uniting people across the spectrum. By not saying anything, he's forcing them into showing their hand to the entire world while it wakes up the average everyday people everywhere. Fifteen years ago, when I used to try and tell people there was a nefarious plan to fake a pandemic, pandemic in order to force vaccinate, depopulate the world, and implement a totalitarian world government for the survivors, people thought I was crazy. Today, this has become common knowledge. Trump has destroyed the media's credibility and woken up regular people everywhere. As tragic as this is, with all the vax injuries and deaths, it's the best possible timeline and way better than it would have been, which was everyone being forcibly vaccinated against their will without a choice. Trump gave us the choice to peacefully refuse without having to fight or run. That way, the way that I and many folks were expecting this to happen 15 years ago when we all thought we were going, they were going to make their big move with the swine flu was them going door to door to force this thing into people with the enforcement of the police. And if you didn't take it, you'd be put on a bus and carted off to a quarantine camp, never to be heard from again. Don't believe me? Look at China and Australia. That's just not happened, not happening, and there's no way it can happen at this point. Not only were they forced to end the scamdemic, but now way too many people are awake worldwide. If it weren't for Trump, they'd have already been rounding up people into FEMA camps, and we would have long since lost national sovereignty to the totalitarian global government New World Order, now called the Great Reset. Warp speed stop that. 
when he says it saved millions of lives, it's because it did from the death camps. Now he is going to completely obliterate the deep state. Just watch what happens next. I think he was spot on. I agree. I've been I've been trying to tell other people that I interview with that this is part of what went on and they just don't want to see it. They don't want to see that President Trump took the best way. This has been in the it's works like for that, a very long time. Yeah, it's like that scene in The Hunt for Red October when Captain Ramius turns the boat, turns the submarine into the path of the first torpedo of the sub that, that that's chasing him. He turned the path of the Red October into the torpedo before it could arm, and the torpedo bounced off the nose of the sub completely ineffective. That's what President Trump did. Combat tactics, Mr. Ryan. That's what he did. He go. turned us into... He turned the direction of the whole thing into what the deep state New World Order people were, were doing. And he completely obliterated them. He saved billions of lives. And if you don't believe me, go over to Edward Dowd's Twitter page. It's uh, at Dowd Edward, D-O-W-D-E-D-W-A-R-D. And Edward Dowd has a company, a humanitarian company, called Finance Technologies. It's spelled P-H-I-N-A-N-C-E Technologies, so finance with a P-H, where he and his um, researchers have looked deeply into the vaccine damage. In fact, at the top of the page, it's got the vaccine damage project. And what they've come to the conclusion is, is that there were really three groups of people that were affected by this jab. Those that died, and they're pretty easy to count, right? They're dead. It's a, a one or a zero. Um, if they're not dead, it's a zero. And um, what they said was that the excess deaths are estimated to have occurred at an absolute rate of about 0.1% of the population for people aged 25 to 64 in 2021 and 2022 combined. This represents about 23% excess mortality for 2021 and 2022 relative to the expected baseline. And what this means for your listeners is an average pandemic, you would expect an excess death rate of about 10%. So this was not a pandemic. This was depopulation. In absolute numbers, this represents about 310,000 excess deaths, and Dowd is pretty sure that his numbers are pretty conservative. Then there was another group, those with severe damage and disabilities, and he says the rise in disabilities in the civilian labor force population since the start of 2021 was 0.93%, or slightly less than 1%, and that corresponded to an almost 25% rise. In absolute numbers, an estimated 1.36 million individuals aged 16 to 64 are actively engaged, that are actively engaged in the labor market became disabled. And then there's a third group, those with mild to moderate damage, the injuries. He says 
about 18% of the employed labor force aged 16 to 64 is estimated to have suffered injuries due to the COVID-19 vaccine rollout program that started in 2021. In absolute numbers, it's an estimated 26.6 million individuals that have been injured by the inoculations. 26.6 million is almost 10% of our entire population. And what this means is these, these 26 million people, almost 27 million people, they're the ones that are not going to get better. They're not going to get well. They're going to die. That's yep. carving out a hole out of our labor force. So we're not talking about the people who have retired. We're talking about the hump of the labor market, the hump of the labor force that will not be able to work or they'll be dead in five to ten years. And that's a huge number of people. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's bad. It's really bad. Yep. Hence the nine classrooms. Yeah. Hence the empty classrooms. Yeah. Hence the students that sign up for my class and then disappear. I'm looking at this too. This is from England and Wales. And it says another week of shockingly high excess deaths. It says deaths registered weekly in England and Wales provisional the week ending the 21st of April of this year. It says provisional number of deaths registered in England and Wales, including deaths involving coronavirus, COVID-19, in the latest weeks. And there's a 22.9% increase in the deaths as opposed to previous weeks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was a depopulation device for sure. And if anyone will care to note, they went primarily, the deep state went primarily after the Caucasians. Why did they go after Caucasians? They didn't go after people in Africa. They didn't really go after people in South America. They didn't probably really go after people in China. Just the whites. Why? Well, if you listen to Cliff High, it's because white people have a higher propensity of fighting back. I'm not trying to, to slam the Chinese people, but they had 6,000 years of monarchies. 6,000 years. Oh, yeah. It's bred into them to just go along. Right. The same thing with Japanese. And in fact, if you go back and you look at what happened in Japan, it was early in 2021. They stopped giving out the Japs because they had a million people just die. They were like, whoa, we're, we're not doing this. And then they started examining the vials. And they, they took the they took the vials off the market. They said, We're not giving this out anymore. This is I don't know what this is, but it's not a vaccine. And so, you know, I mean, even look at what happened in Australia. Now Australia gave up their guns in nineteen ninety six, so they didn't have the guns to fight back. They were sending people off to camps, to quarantine quarantine camps. Anybody who would speak up or not take the jab or speak out, they were sending them away. And I listened to a, a video podcast with Ricardo Bossi, and he said, Australians haven't yet gotten to the point where they've figured out that they have to fight for their sovereignty. Why? Because they're a crown colony. 
they didn't go through the same revolution they're about to, but they didn't go through the same revolution that we did as Americans 247 years ago. And so they went after, the deep state went after white people with a vengeance because everyone else is more controllable. That was Cliff High's assessment. Not mine. That was Cliff High, just to be clear. Yeah, he's right from a from a historic perspective. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. Cliff High has been spot on for as long as I've been listening to him. Yeah. Might have been off a little bit on the timing, but um, he called way back in the summer of 2021, he called the idea of accidents way before they started happening. I made a comment to a gentleman who runs a business of linking employers with um, healthcare companies. And the comment I made to him was the healthcare companies, insurance companies are going to go broke because they're going to figure out, especially after the Society of Actuaries came out with their quarterly report saying, hey, how come we have excess death rates in the 25 to 64-year-old range of 40% on average? And, and some of those uh, demographics, like the 25 to 34-year-olds and the 35 to 44-year-olds, were experiencing 100% plus excess death rates in the employed population because it was most, mostly the companies that were pushing these jabs. And, and um, the Society of Actuaries took them about three quarters, so nine months, to, to say, there's something going on here that we don't understand. And it was Edward Dowd who came out early in 2022 and said, hey, doofuses, you guys who are, who are counting zeros and ones, why don't you recognize that these deaths didn't start until the six months after the jabs rolled out? And so that's when the insurance companies started getting a little bit scared because they're going to start paying out all this money for deaths, but it's not the deaths, it's the injuries that are going to break them, them and the hospital systems. And I said this to this gentleman who runs this company, and he laughed at me. He literally laughed in my face. And then about a week later, he was at a conference where the big five insurance companies were, had representatives sitting in a room, and he got up and he said, hey, I had a labor economist tell me that the insurance companies are going to go broke because you can't keep up with the amount of money that it's going to cost you to pay for the vaccine, COVID vaccine injuries and deaths. And he said there was silence. From these representatives. I bet. And then one of them said, well, we're not going to be in the insurance business. We're going to be in the data analysis business very soon. Wow. He didn't laugh in my face the next time he saw me. He said, my God, you nailed it. It's not me. I'm just listening to smarter people than I am. I'm just yeah. connecting the doctors the dots a little faster than everybody else around me. They have to know. Again, they, they have to know. The people within these groups and these organizations, again, they, we brought them all up here. The universities, yeah. the states, the governments, they have to know what's going on. 
Well, here's another little piece of evidence. Of course they know, because the West Virginia um, Health Insurance Company, there's, there's, I think there's two in our, in our state that insures West Virginia um, state employees, which includes all of the university employees. The West Virginia PEIA company raised the premiums, the monthly premiums for every person by 25% per month, 25% increase. So you tell me these insurance companies don't know that they've, they've, that they're going to have to pay for those who are injured. I'm surprised they haven't come out with a statement saying, if you got the jab, you're not covered anymore. But I think that's coming too. You know, that's interesting. And then heads heads are going to roll. Right. Oh, absolutely. They'll have to. But, but that's Mm -hmm. a, that's a series of collapses we haven't seen yet. We haven't seen the insurance companies collapse yet. It's coming. Yeah. Might take a little bit longer, but it's, it's, it's going to roll out. It's inevitable. They can't not collapse at this point because they can't charge people enough in premiums to cover all the money that they're paying out for the people who are injured or who are dying. I've always thought insurance was a fraud anyway. I mean, my God. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, not to mention all of the reason that the hospitals had to buy into the CDC and FDA protocols using remdesivir and the ventilator system is because for every person that died, they got, they got thousands of dollars. They were incentivized to murder people. And I'll put it just that bluntly. The hospital systems were incentivized to murder people. Thomas Massey, representative from Kentucky, got his hands on a Blue Cross Blue Shield anthem, uh, communique from Blue Cross Blue Shield Anthem of Kentucky to all the doctors in Kentucky saying, basically, if you give these COVID vaccinations, depending on how what percentage of your patient population has had these COVID vaccinations, we will increase your bonus. I've read that on the show. Yeah. Yeah, it's damning. That's a damning document. Yep. And so Thomas Massey put that out on his Twitter page. Um, So the doctors know, the nurses know, the health, um, the hospital administrators know, the administrator, somebody somewhere in the state departments know, you know, it's, it's not a big secret, not anymore. And for those of us who are out there screaming, from the rooftop saying, please don't take this jab, it's poison. You know, I, I'm not even sure I told you so is going to be adequate when, when you know, all is said and done. I don't, know yeah. about, I don't know about you either, but again, based on the eyeball test, I've heard, I refer to it as the meat wagon, but I've, I've heard the ambulance flying around town constantly, oh, yeah. absolutely yeah. constantly. Yeah, I've I've heard the and I live outside the city, so I'm sort of in a rural area. I've heard it more often, more days of the week than ever before, especially the last year and a half. After that third, after that third Pfizer shot went out, it was every day. 
every day. We have empty houses on our street where people have died in the house and someone discovers it and the house sits empty until someone can get everything through probate and get the house um, sold to someone else. So, I mean, the, the devastation economically would have been so much worse. And I agree with the person who posted this about President Trump. I've been trying to, to tell my students the reason President Trump does not speak out against these vaccines is because the deep state would light on him so fast it'd be like a duck on a dune bug. They would pin everything on him, and they can't because he won't, he won't do what he knows they want him to do. And it's a it's a big mess, but I think I think we are coming closer and closer to the edge where more more and more people will wake up. And to wrap this around back to the CBDC question that you asked me, I think I think that what we're going to be seeing is every single twist and turn that the deep state wanted to use, every single move that the deep state wanted to use to enslave humanity is going to be exposed so people can see it. And that includes the way our money is treated. The Federal Reserve is no longer its own bank because President, President Trump put it under the umbrella of the U.S. Treasury at the end of February 2020. So, you know, all the things that are running, this Federal Reserve, FedNow, cryptocurrency, that's that's why I think it, it's, first of all, it's not going to work because people are going to not use it. And it's not going to work. It's only meant to scare the rest of the sheep into waking up. Yeah, it's going to have to. Yeah, the banks that have gone down, I think we can be fairly safe to assume they are part of the deep state system. In fact, I looked at uh, Whalewire on Twitter, and they posted yesterday um, 100% of all regional banks in the United States have their stocks in the red today. That was yesterday. And this comes a day after Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said the U.S. banking system was stronger than ever. Right. So banks are going to, I emailed my credit union and said, hey, are, are you guys using the Basel Three and Basel Four system or the ISO 20022 system, which is the, the um, banking rules and regs that tell banks they have to have gold or silver, some asset backing all of their loanable funds. And the email I got back was sort of a, a boilerplate, don't worry your pretty little head about it. No, we're not Basel Three or Basel Four compliant, but we're on a different system than a normal bank. So I'm not saying that credit unions are any safer than a normal bank, but they have different rules that they're following. Mm. It's it's gonna get nasty. It's gonna get really nasty because people won't wake up until it's until their face is shoved in the poop. I'll go back to the dog example. There you go. Full circle. Uh-huh. Yeah. I agree with you. They have to see it, and it just now becomes a matter of when. I don't think it's a matter right. of if. It's just going to be a matter of when. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
I've said on yeah. my show, if you know, if they're going to do, if they're going to perform some kind of another lockdown, then it's going to have to be during the summer. Because if they do it during the school year, all hell would break loose again, and that would collapse. In fact, I don't think it would be necessarily a bad thing, because that would really collapse the education system. Well, let's let. Well, maybe we should hope it holds off until fall, and then that way I can go back to teaching online. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> You, go. you know, if if we're going to have lockdowns, make it be so that it's best for me. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I know that sounds that sounds stupid. Hey, it happened but, before, right? Yeah. Right. So yeah, the thing that the thing that won't wake most people up, like these jabs, um, the things that that you know. People around me look at me and call me crazy, like my students or my my colleagues. No, make make sure that you inflate the currency so much that we get a fifty percent inflation rate, or or even better, a hundred percent inflation rate, like they have in Argentina, and then people will start to wake up. People will start having those conversations around the kitchen table where, you know, whoever the breadwinner is looks at whoever does all the grocery shopping and says. Why are you spending so much money at the grocery store? You know, so the the it takes an awful lot to wake the herd up, um, and I and I think that we're going to see an awful lot still coming down the pike at us. So gird your loins, do the things that you need to do to get prepared, buy your extra four or five months worth of toilet paper, get your garden planted. You know, if you can if you can buy some silver. Buy some silver. Although I will tell you, I think I think we've seen the end of the days when silver would be twenty two dollars an ounce, because now it's over thirty. It's going up. I mean, if you go on, yeah, if you go on to Jam Bullion or or any of these other places, if you look for a silver eagle minted by the U.S. Mint, I think the last time I looked, the the prices of those were over forty five dollars an ounce so you know um so yeah it's but on the other side of this is going to be good things we're going to have an economy that is different than any we've ever experienced we're going to have institutions that are not run by the deep state they're going to be run by we the people and we're going to have an education system that actually educates and not indoctrinates we're going to have doctors that actually care about their patients, not the money that they're getting from the insurance companies, because the insurance companies won't be there. So all all manner of things are going to be different from as we go forward slowly. And really, it's better that we do this slowly, because if you tip the United States into a deep, deep depression in a couple of weeks, people wouldn't be ready. But but all the truthers like you, Sean, have been out there shouting from the rooftops for years. Get ready. It's coming. Well, we're almost there. We're really almost there. And so it'll be the people who called us crazy or told us to shut up and sit down and get to the back of the bus that are going to be standing around and going, what the hell happened? And the elimination of income tax, if that ever comes around. Talk about... Right. Well boosting the economy. I just read that yesterday 
El Salvador eliminated their income tax. I saw that. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, it's coming. The good things are coming. We just have to, we, we have to hold on and be kind to our neighbors as we can. And a lot of the, a lot of the BS that's going on around us is it's going to eventually straighten out. The ship will come back to even keel and we're going to be in a good place when we get rid of a lot of the deep state. And the fact that Rochelle Walensky has quit, the fact that Kim, what's her face down in St. Louis has quit. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more people quit who were actually deep state shills, Soros funded jerks. I had another word, but you know, it's, it's good. Every place, I mean, even Jay Inslee out in Washington, Washington state is not running again for governor. So there's a win. So we have to take our wins where we get them and, um, and be on the lookout for all the other good things that are happening because good things are happening everywhere. It's just that the mainstream media is not telling us about them because those would be wins for us and they'd need us to be demoralized, depressed, um, you know, seeking an answer from some government authority. Well, I'm not doing that. I'm not waiting for the government to save me. I'm going to save myself. And that's got to be the attitude of all your listeners. Don't wait for somebody to come save you. Save yourself. And by doing that, you will you will spread that ripple effect of everybody else becoming self-sufficient as well. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.